and that that palpable sense of something is going to happen here something really should be happening here something great like if you go in and say yep we're going to go out we're going to get pitching and we're going to try to compete in 2020 if you fail at doing that this offseason you're toasted My money is obviously on Mega Parrot. Uh, due right to that. there with you. That's it. And welcome to episode number 153 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we can't get 17 straight hits while self-pitching. Yeah. By the way, I don't think I can even get two or three as anybody. <laughs> so I, I, I'm a pitching coach for Seneca College, and... One of the games, I had to hit grounders to the infielders, and like and I picked up a fungo, and I think I like hit two total feet in my first five swings. <laughs> it's been a long time since I tried to do that. Just got to meet the ball when you're self pitching. Just meet the ball anyway. Um, yeah, so we're bad at things, uh, and obviously that is a reference to Bobochet, who is anything but bad at things. Uh, we're going to talk about um, just generally about how the Jays have been playing with Bo in that context, as well as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and uh, his the first truly epic at bat of his career against an ace uh, closer. Uh, the Blue Jays, you know, generally have been playing pretty well, including a, a night that I think a lot of the young players will remember against the Rangers. And we all hate the Rangers uh, in our own special way because of the playoffs. So uh, and, you know, the punching thing. Uh, so we'll go from there. Uh, also, uh, Rowdy Tellez is back, which means that Justin Smoke is going to be looking at a different playing time schedule well, um that's an interesting thought there is no freddie galvis to take up playing time um obviously uh we need to say our goodbyes to him because he he moved out real quick uh bobachette again uh, atkins and shapiro have been trying to smooth over the pr disaster that is their communications i i think they pretty much are in a no-win situation at this point uh ken giles he's he's healthy and you probably couldn't see the big quotation marks we put around that we have your questions as well, which we will get to after all the rest of the week that was. So we begin, Josh. Um, do you want to just talk generally about, about the play of the Rangers? Or do you just want to go right to Vlad Jr. versus Aroldis Chapman? Did you say the play of the Rangers? Sorry, the play against the Rangers is what I meant to say. <laughs> well, let's just do a little even broader sense. Because since Bo has joined the team, which was on the 27th, I believe, against Kansas City on the road. The Jays are 21 and or 22 and 21, which you know, like it's not great. But at the time, before he was called up, the team was 40 and 67, which is a winning percentage of 374. So it's kind of a really nice chance for us to get to see like what some of this stuff could be and i think it's really sort of pushing the envelope on what the team should be doing going forward i i do agree i i think uh you know you have a a couple of teams that uh i mean on the tweet before this i joked about about the teams we are not we are not the tigers uh out there we are not the marlins we are not the orioles uh the blue jays are full of good ingredients uh for a a a competitive team and i think exactly those last um he said they're 21 and 20 since what june 27 22 and 21 
22 and 21 since June 27th when Bo came up. Okay. But something isn't adding up. But anyway, um so overall though, if if this team can play 500 with the assets it has against now a fairly mixed bit of competition, that doesn't seem to be a great leap forward to playing better than 500 baseball, which to get in the wild card race, we really are only talking a couple of games a month over the course of a season to get you into the wild card hunt. Yeah, and actually, so yeah, that that was not since both came up. That's since before that. But yeah, that's that's over the last forty three games or twenty two and twenty one. Right. I was going to say yeah, both the, only the been date, up for seventeen games. I, yeah, yeah, the date the date was wrong, but it was just that was since some of the guys had been coming up. I, I wasn't since Bo's Bo's debut, but just basically since they've been turning things over towards the kids more and more, we're seeing a lot more wins. And obviously, since since Bo's been up, the team has won. They're eleven and six, I think. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's a less indicative sample size, but he certainly has been a spark in this lineup because he gets on base all the bloody time. (laughs) You you can't discount that at the top of the lineup. No, no, you really can't. And like, it's just he doesn't seem to be stopping. So it's always funny. He had that ridiculous start that we talked about in the last podcast where he was you know, records for extra base hits to start a season series or career. And then he's, we're going to get to that. He's doing it again still, but, and then he had a couple of days off and people were like, Oh, you know, it's like, he's starting to experience slumping in the big leagues. And then he went out and had a four hit day. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I don't think he's experiencing that yet. Yeah. He's, he's doing, he's, he has reached base in all, but, or has he reached base in all 17 games? All he's 17. Got, and he's got a hit in all, but two. Yeah. Uh, and someone mentioned that he actually, in all of the games where he's had a hit, he's he's gotten it before the fifth inning. So these are not nail biters. No, no, they're really not. And yeah, I mean, he was the third youngest Blue Jay ever to have a four hit day, which I'm hoping Vlad will break because he's a year younger than Bo. But he just keeps going and he he's just sort of a microcosm like a, down to a singular guy with what the whole offense is really doing right now and no evidence more than what you were starting to talk about with that rangers series yeah so the blue jays uh again they're not winning every game because the pitching is is not where it needs to be which ultimately but the offense night after night includes some really ridiculous stuff going on um like 21 to 4 <laughs> 19 to 4. Sorry, 19 to 4. Sorry, in honor, I should remember that because in honor of Jose Bautista, they obviously scored 19 runs. <laughs> they scored nine runs so fast, I didn't have time to tweet it. I was just wondering if you're going to just change it to hashtag 19 runs. <laughs> just, just, just update it. <laughs> then I never get to use it, like, except against the Rangers, apparently. Um, yeah, like, everybody tore apart Rangers pitching in one night. And we haven't seen a balanced attack like that since, you know, 2015, I think. And and maybe a couple of times in 2016. Where the I mean, lineup really saw it much in 2016. Yeah. The, the the lineup looks longer. Even, you know, Kevin Biggio is not an all-star caliber player at the moment. But he certainly looks like an everyday kind of hitter. Yeah, I mean, he definitely still has some things to work on. Um, his eye is obviously top-notch i mean he still has the one of the lowest chase rates in all of baseball and he's a rookie the contact he's gonna have to clean up a bit which 
you know, that's just sort of the way it goes. But there's definitely signs that he's a big leaguer, like you're saying. So, you know, Bichette obviously having that incredible start. Vlad Guerrero Jr. coming around. Um, you know, uh, Lourdes Curiel, if he doesn't keep cramping. <laughs> <laughs> um i think he's you know he's gonna settle in at an above average uh level of production i don't know danny jansen has had his moments i don't know if i'm ready to say that those are there are enough moments he's obviously got the pop in the bat i don't know if he's he's got all the other ingredients going just yet yeah that's sort of an interesting one because jansen's calling card was not supposed to be power it's supposed to be his ability to get on base and we're not seeing that, although lately, obviously, he's been hitting better because I mean, he was atrocious at the start of the season, but he's not still not quite having the on-base ability that we were expecting to see out of him. So, you know, I think to, to the point, we are looking at the ingredients of a good team. And if you were to swap out one of those guys with a veteran who has a proven track record, like uh, Biggio or Jansen, I, I don't think I'd come screaming for your head if you were the, the management of the team. I'd be like, all right, if you know you got a guaranteed better player and you think that can squeeze out a couple more wins over the course of the season, that's cool. Um, but if that guy's not there, I, I'd certainly be willing to give Biggio a full season um, wherever he needs to play. Yeah, and well, we'll get to some of how they pulled that off in, in a little bit. But, you know, just again, like since Bichette arrived, you know, the team has an 864 OPS and a Woba of 360. Which is incredible. Yeah, it's tremendous. And, you know, that's led by, in that time frame, Bichette, his Woba is 456, which is incredible. But Vlad and Danny Jansen, actually, in that time frame, are right behind him at 414 and 402, with Randall Gritchick jumping in at 436. They're getting a lot of support through the depth of the lineup. Teoscar Hernandez has obviously gotten very hot lately, hitting a lot of home runs. So... It, basically what we're seeing is like when this offense is firing it's really really good yeah and and when it's you know a little less than that with with some decent pitching i think you can get through uh, was it a three nothing shout out of the rangers yes that's correct so you know you don't score 20 run runs every night nobody does but i think you're looking at okay well you know if if the pitching is really good on a given night is there going to be enough there to not get shut out, to find a way to push a couple of runs across or to hit a couple of solo home runs because, you know, it's tough to get on base. Uh, this team hits in a, like all of baseball. I, I don't know how long it's going to take me to get used to this. I don't know if you've gotten used to it yet, but there's just an absurd amount of home runs hit now. And you have to think in those terms that a 20 home run hitter really isn't a significant guy anymore. No, there has to be some some other skill set with that. like you know, high on base percentage or, you know, speed and power with a decent on base. And it can't just be power. Because it's everywhere. It's, you yeah. know, the the Orioles are currently, now they're a historically bad team, but they're, I think it was a, a Jay Jaffe article, but I could be wrong. They are nine home runs short of surrendering the most home runs of all time. It's It's August 15th. <laughs> Yeah, it's no, the the baseball has very much changed the way we have to perceive success in the, you know in in this era of base uh, of statistics. And failure too. Uh, sure. You know, there if if your pitcher is home run prone, that just might be he's a pitcher. It might not be that he's all that home run prone. Well, yeah, I mean the number of uh of pitchers we've 
analyze. It's like, well, you know, he's been pretty good. His home run rate's a little bit elevated. It's like everybody except like Marcus Stroman. Yeah. So that that's going to take, you know, I think the casual fan is going to take a, even longer to adjust to that sudden weird new paradigm unless they change the ball again which they've already did once uh in just the last couple of years who knows what's going to happen next year but i think yeah, yeah that's going to be a problem too i think that's really interesting too with uh, when it comes to and we're getting a little off on tangents here but i think this is worth mentioning when it comes to evaluating some of these players if you're looking at you know, do we want to keep player X or player Y? And you're basing it on what they're doing with the current ball. If they change it back, that could really blow your, you know, what you were trying to do. Like, say you're Eric Sogard and or someone trying to sign Eric Sogard and or trade for Eric Sogard in lieu of keeping certain players. And you make the move, and all of a sudden the ball changes and he's terrible. You've just lost. Yeah, and you lost with no. You had no way to hedge against that change. Correct. And that's a big problem. Yeah. Especially since the league is like, well, we're just trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Meanwhile, the AAA has the new baseball and the, the league home run record fell already. Yeah. For hmm. team. Yeah. Hmm. And, and, and every other affiliate, every other league Same. or every other level, home runs are down. <laughs> yeah. Home run hitters only get better when they get to AAA because of reasons that have nothing to do with the ball. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we should get back to the Blue Jays. But Okay, fair enough. I mean, we're allowed to digress once in a while. You and I are pretty tight on topic considering the <laughs> the, the lack of general uh, whatever. All right, well, then let's talk about Vlad Guerrero Jr. Because he has, like you said, he's been performing very well. He's, his overall performance is very nice. I think what we really expected of him was what we got the other night when he went up against Aroldis Chapman, who, although he's not 106-mile-an-hour Aroldis Chapman, he is still a, a very, very difficult pitcher to face. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he was throwing 88. He was still <laughs> pumped yeah. over 100 a few times in that at bat. Um, it's funny, we're saying this, the, the Vlad Guerrero Jr. we wanted was a guy who didn't do a double play. <laughs> well, you know, no, I, 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 what are results, really? Uh, it's process, all process. Uh, and I, I totally agree. I was at this game, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a superstar. The energy in that ballpark when he stepped up to the plate to pinch hit against Chapman just flipped on it like a, like someone just turned the lights on. People, it, it was just buzzing. And as he was fouling off and fouling off and working it against this elite, arguably the best closer in the game. I mean, he got a standing ovation when he hit into a double play because it was just that great theater of like your best against our best. And, and that that palpable sense of something is going to happen here. Something really should be happening here. Something great. Uh, I think uh, that makes me think of like Jose Bautista in, in those terms. There, there was there's just that when he was very, very dominant at the peak of his ability, there was that just feeling like something is going to happen and I don't want to miss it and that's what I think Vlad can stir up um, because of the very deliberate way and very violent way he approaches his at bats I, I think it was also interesting in that that 13 pitch at bat he continued to take pitches uh, that were were clearly 
uh, off the plate. Now, he did, I mean, obviously he's fouling off very difficult sliders because you don't know where that slider is going to end up all the time. But he, he was not in swing mode because if you look, I, I was in the habit of looking at very long at bats for a feature I used to write. And a lot of times it would be like nine foul balls in a row in a long at bat because the hitter was simply going to swing at everything until he he hopefully got one in the zone. And that didn't look like what Vlad was still planning and still plotting for a pitch that he could really drive. Yeah, I mean, obviously he had to swing at some pitches that were balls according to pitch FX, but they were close enough that you can't take them in that spot. It wasn't like, I think you did one with, I was a, uh, well, I'm just forgetting the name. Darwin Barney, a few, a couple years ago, one of these one at bats that you're talking about where he just literally was swinging at everything. Yeah, it was like after two strikes, okay, <laughs> just got to foul it, got to foul it. And and that's that's a fine approach if you're not trying to hit the ball 400 feet. But Vlad got a hold of a foul ball and did hit it 400 feet in the midst of that whole um, whole sequence. So yeah, that might be underselling it too. I mean, that he hit into the <laughs> upper deck in foul territory. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it wasn't one of those, you know, that where he he rolled over on it and it was going to be foul as soon as his 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 hand rolled over. Um, he was he was pretty close to ending that with a grand with a uh, not a grand slam with a home run. Um, the fact that he ended up rolling over on it is a testament, I think, to the fact that you're right. It was best versus best, and the pitcher often wins that matchup. Yeah. And it's funny that I, I like that you brought up Bautista because there's this thing that it's hard to quantify and and, and analysts probably hate what I'm about to say. <laughs> but there are players who just have this it factor. And this is why I said that Vladimir Gro is a superstar. His numbers don't say superstar. They say very good player at the age of 20. But it's just this feeling that as a fan, you get when a player walks to the plate, like this guy is going to do something special right now. And he has that. And he's had it since he came up. Yeah. And, and I think uh, th- there are times in certain players' careers when that's more true. And I think there's certain players where that, you know, is seemingly always true. I, I And as much as I am not the one who pat Derek Jeter on the back all the time, I think that for Yankees fans... Derek Jeter was exactly that kind of player. Sure. Where something special was going to happen because it was it was their, you know, their captain up at the plate. And and I I think that's what the sport honestly needs to sell to people. Yeah, and that's why I, I'm very glad that we're talking about what you just said, because there were people, I think it was one of the the Yankees beat writers essentially making fun of or ripping the Blue Jays fans for cheering for Vlad for hitting into that double play. They were cheering for the entertainment and for the fight and for the spectacle. And that's what the sport is. Yeah. Uh, if, if every at bat was resolved on the first or second pitch, um, <laughs> because the guy threw really hard or because, you know, every pitch was a, a home run. I don't think the sport would be as entertaining that tension of, of the pitches mounting or that tension of the base runners jockeying for position, that's, that's baseball. And if that goes away, um, then it's a different, you have to rethink the whole why people are fans of this game. Yep. That was deep, man. I don't know if we can handle that much more deepness. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. It was worth it. It was, it was a lot of fun. 
All right. So absolutely. Uh, now we're back to the mechanical bits of this team because uh, it's not all just Vlad Jr. and Bo alternating uh, plate appearances, as it turns out. No, there are other guys. There's pitchers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were talking about that uh, uh, outing. Where, when did Trent Thornton factor into that? Well, he started the game, and he was fantastic. He, he pitched six innings and gave up one earned run. And you were saying, again, you can't see the air quotes. You might have been able to hear them the way I said that. <laughs> Where Teoscar Hernandez broke backwards and then did like a banana root at a, at a flare that he did not catch. And then the next batter hit a double. And that was the only run. Thorne was tremendous. He he just shut the Yankees down. And he's a really interesting guy because we've seen flashes of absolute brilliance from him. And we've seen him be objectively terrible. Uh, terrible. I mean, to the start before this, he gave up six runs in three and two-third with three two-run homers against Tampa. And we're, well, all six runs were in that fourth inning. Yeah. So yeah, when, they were, when, they, when he loses it, it's gone. Yeah, and I think that's sort of part of his rookiness and just the lack of refinement that you get with young pitchers sometimes. But something that's very interesting that he's been doing, of late he started throwing his cutter a bit more, and in his last start, the one against the Yankees, he threw it over 30% of the time for the first time in his career. And it just really got the job done. And we've seen guys be successful with fastball, curveball, fastball, curveball, which is what he has mostly been at times. But that third pitch, that which is just like, it's not quite a slider, but it's not not quite a fastball either. It is almost like a true cutter. It was just enough just to keep the hitters off of both of the other offerings, and it really did the job, and he dominated a really good hitting team. So I'm very curious to see if, what happens if he keeps that up going through the rest of the year. And I think most of the Blue Jays pitchers are, are going to have to finesse it a little bit because we don't, you know, we, we've looked and until you get down into the little bit lower minors, th- there are no 100 mile an hour and it's okay to make a mistake, guys. Um, th- th- these are skill pitchers who are probably going to have to pick up a little bit more skill before they are good. I, I think the other one that comes to mind is Sean Reed Foley, who has what looks like a great ERA and has some really horrible results. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you, within you, that. You, yeah, you're, I mean, you're, what you're talking about with not having that stuff, we saw that more than anything in his last outing, which was against the Rangers in the only game they lost in the series. Uh, we're not really talking about that Yankee series that much, but they did really well in that series too. But in that game against the Rangers, he kept on having these really long at-bats. I think Shinsu Chu had one and really Calhoun, yeah, Calhoun had one. and. He just wasn't able to put guys away because when he's not throwing 95, as he wasn't in this game, he was throwing 90, 91, 92, he doesn't have that put-away pitch to be able to get away with mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and so he would battle, 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 hit, walk, double later, and then all of a sudden, no, they've scored three runs. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you get tired in the course of an inning – um as a pitcher you know you get fatigued within an inning and then sometimes you get a chance to recover from that and come back out but that's different than fatiguing sometimes through the course of the whole game so it's yeah it's it's obviously a learning curve for him i don't know if he's ever going to be great um 
but it it it's certainly good to see them get innings uh unlike oh i don't know ryan barucky who can't get any because he's hurt yeah so i mean it's gonna be interesting to see what this team does going forward so just circling back to some of the what we want to see from this team from here on out from the hitters obviously we just want to see more of what we're seeing and i don't think that takes much analysis but I think we're really going to need to see some steps forward from some of these pitchers because I, I put this out on Twitter and I don't think I worded it properly because I asked, are there any pitchers other than Ken Giles, who we'll get to in a second, that you would want to definitely have on the team next year? What I should have said was, are there any pitchers other than Ken Giles that if they're on the team going into spring training, you would guarantee a roster spot to right now without a fight? And I'm curious what your answer is. Um, I'm just trying to, I don't even know who half the bullpen is, so I'm going to go with no on the bullpen. Um, I think my answer was, was probably, um, Sean Reed Foley. Yeah, see, I wouldn't guarantee him a spot. I think he has stuff to work on, and this is sort of what I'm getting at. From now until the end of the season, I think that these guys all need to either take a step forward, or in the case of someone like, say, Wilmer Font, who has been fantastic in his opener role, need to continue doing it in order to actually, I think, to earn their role in the next year. And I think that's the kind of thing we really need to be checking for, because if some of these guys can actually establish themselves as valuable major league pitchers, then it makes going out and hunting for other pitchers to fill in around them a lot easier. Yeah, and I th- I agree that you're not at the point where these are the guys you're filling in around right now you're using these guys to fill in around with whatever you get in the free agent slash trade market or try to. We're going to talk about that as well. But first we should, uh, have we, I think we've covered pitching in the context of that bigger question. So, uh, Rowdy Tellez is back, which means Justin Smoke is the old man on this team who might be the guy giving advice on the bench more often. Yeah, there was the interesting failed messaging almost. Uh, I don't (laughs) know. I don't want to go that far, where they essentially said that Tellez is going to take Smoke's playing time. And then Smoke was like, what? They didn't say that to me. And then the next day, Charlie Montoya was like, no, no, no. What I meant was and that they'll be sort of flip-flopping between first base and DH, sort of what was happening at the beginning of the season when Tellez was up. So it's all very confusing. I think that they probably initially intended to just play Rowdy, and then that they did not expect the reaction they got. Yeah, I think Smoke has not been fantastic lately. Um, you know, nope. he's, he's he's certainly not been like 2017 Justin Smoke by any stretch of the imagination. So rewarding Rowdy for work that he did in, in the minors seems like a sensible move to make given the composition of the rest of the team. Sure. Yeah, and you no, know, he's apparently just standing up straighter, which... That's what my more mom his- always told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much on his stance. Uh, I think there was a good piece on this by Arden Zwelling. I, I, if I'm getting that wrong, I'm sorry. It was on Sportsnet. But it's when he's approaching the ball, he's not crouching down as much, which was making it a lot harder for hit, him to hit some of those high fastballs because he was having to come back up to get at them. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because you know adjustments in the minors are adjustments in the minors, and it's very different when you're facing major league pitching. So, but I, I, I do think that. They do need to see, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you 
again, you're, this is the lost season, and you're playing all of the kids to leave Rowdy out of that equation if you think that there is a chance he's he's an irregular. Makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, which, again, is the part of the reason we waved goodbye to Freddie Galvis. So there is no post-waiver trade deadline trade period. I don't know what you want to call it. The August trade period is no more. So when they put Freddie Galvis on waivers, they knew that any team claiming him could just take him away. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I was actually very surprised that this happened. And... Not it's not I'm not surprised in the sense of like I don't agree with it because I get it. I mean they want to play Kevin Biggio at second base every day because Bobachet has shown that he can play shortstop every day. And they want to see Billy McKinney and Derek Fisher and Teosca Hernandez and Rowdy Tellers and all these guys and Freddie Galvis, as good as he was, just frankly, he was Freddie Galvis and they didn't need that anymore. They didn't need to see what that was. And so they let him go to a place where he is going to play every day, and it's not really a playoff hunt with the Reds, but at least it's more of one than the Jays are in. Well, yeah, and I, I think um, he, you know, he deserves a full time job if he wants one. You know, uh, the, he didn't do anything to to end up in a situation where there wasn't playing time for him. It's not like he underperformed, right? No. So if if a, if a team thinks that they can use Freddie's bat and glove at shortstop and that's something that they want to pay him for i it saves the blue jays like a million dollars this year and there's like a million dollar opt-out if cincinnati decides not to pick up his option um which is not a huge amount of, of money but um it simplifies things for charlie montoya yeah it, it absolutely does and when i said surprise too it wasn't so much it was just more that i once the trade deadline passed because of what you just said i thought he was here through the end of the year but it's it's good, and I'm happy for him, and I think it all works out really well. Now, I do want to address this idea that people are saying, oh, they couldn't have got something for him at the trade deadline. No. Yeah, <laughs> I think obviously, it's pretty clear that they couldn't. Because <laughs> if they could have, they would have. I, I don't know how that – I don't know any other way to explain that. They, it wasn't like they were hanging on to him at the trade deadline and just didn't realize what day it was. No. So – yeah, it was it was a little a little weird, but anyway, he's gone, and it was fun to watch Freddie this year. I'm you know I'm sad to see him leave, but also happy to see the kid. So it's <laughs> bittersweet, I guess. Uh, the kid, of course, in principle, is Bo. Uh, did we did any other records did he break that we didn't mention earlier? Because I have a note about him setting records. Want to make sure you got them all in there. Yeah, so he also added, I think it was the first person to 15 extra base hits in his first 15 games and then 16 in his first 16. <laughs> so he just keeps breaking the extra base hit records, which is unbelievable considering he's 21 years old. Yeah, these these, are these the, aren't rookie records. These are all-time records. Well, actually, that, that one was that a rookie, was a rookie record. record. But, he, but he has set all-time records too, and it's just – it's a magic start. Yeah, he's on fire. Um, all right, so we get down to, well, okay, quickly, Ken Giles, before we get down to the management part of things. Ken Giles is, and we have this in air quotes as well, healthy, which means he's not gone on the injured list, and he has pitched a couple of times, but wh what is going on with Ken Giles? Yeah, so apparently he's just not bouncing back. So he pitches, then there's inflammation, so he needs a few days off, and then he pitches, and there's inflammation, so he needs a few days off. This is kind of worrying. 
because, I mean, if he does this through the end of the year, there's no offseason trade asset there either. So I'm very curious to see how they're going to handle this. And I think that we're going to see a lot from how he deals with his last pitching outing. Because so he pitched on August 4th and then he pitched on August 7th and was not great. And then he had to be shut down again and he was down for six days. And I want to see when he pitches again next time, because if he keeps doing this like three, four days off, I think it might even be better than just to shut him down for a couple of weeks, let him actually heal again and let him finish the season strong. Yeah, I agree hundred percent because a six day layoff and a 10 day uh, injured list is really not that much difference. No. Okay. So Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro are, are messaging themselves in circles and possibly into a corner with this team about what people are supposed to get excited about. Go ahead. I feel kind of bad for them at this point because I think what everybody, and that includes me, wants them to say is, we've got the core we need. We're quite confident that there are enough players here to make a run at things. We're going to spend whatever it takes to fill in and get uh, a championship caliber team on the field for 2020. That's what I think most fans who are who are invested in this team want them to say. Would you Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, they want to hear we want this team to start winning now because we're showing signs that we can. But it's just they can't say that exactly, and I can understand why. So yeah, why would would you be holding off on saying those exact words? Were you the Atkins Shapiro duo? Well, we've talked about this before about how bad this. This group and the prior group, I'm, I'm not just saying Shapar and Atkins, Anthopoulos was terrible at this, have been at managing expectations. Like if you go in and say, yep, we're going to go out, we're going to get pitching, and we're going to com- try to compete in 2020, if you fail at doing that this offseason, you're toasted. Like it's good. Like all the vitriol that's being directed their way now would be nothing compared to what happens if they say they're going to do it and don't. So – I think they've tiptoed around it, but it's like, yeah, we want, you know, we're going to try to add some arms this year. And then like when it's really ready, we're going to go for it. And if they get the great deals this off season, I think they will. And I think that the real reason that it's harder, harder to hear them hedging their bets all the time with, oh, well, this isn't a great free agent class. Okay. But there's still great players in the game who are available uh, some, some way or another, because there's going to be a bunch of teams tanking next year. Um, is knowing just how far away from the payroll of two years ago this team is sitting right now. Yeah, and they talked about that too, how they have all this like ability to add money. So I, I'm very curious to see how they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to add a ton this offseason, but if they don't, then I think they really need to do it the, the year afterwards. Yeah, well, they, they need to show uh, a, a very definite direction and i think maybe that's the other the other thing is is it looks like they've taken a step towards contention with just this lineup of young guys um who are at the moment all relatively healthy i i don't know that you know i think people are are, are looking and going you know your next step better not be well let's wait and see if la 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 no like let's wait and see how these pitchers develop that pitchers break all the time (laughs) So I would rather hear, let's make sure that there are 
you know, is a bullpen at the very least full of talented people or that there are, you know, we have a number one starter to get us, get us off on the right foot next year. But again, I do sympathize with them because they, you know, you, you may end up in a situation where a player does not want to come here or someone else is, um, is able to trade before you're able to get your foot in the door for someone who you were looking at. And that mm-hmm. makes it difficult. There, there are limited assets to go out and get. If it was just, you know, create a player uh, and pay him fairly, I, I would be much more upset. But th- there are only so many players out there. Yep. All right. So we're going to take a little break. And then we're going to come back with some questions from our lovely listeners. Talk to you soon. Nothing like a brief break from us to make you all that much more uh, happy about us coming back. I think. Gonna do the math <laughs> Did on you that. Miss us? For those <laughs> what six seconds? <laughs> Maybe I'll stretch it to ten this time. You never know. Uh, all right. So that means that there are questions incoming from you, vote. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, sure. Anytime. Uh, so our first question is from Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt. Shapiro has recently talked about the waves of pitching coming. The quantity looks great, but is there enough quality coming quickly enough? He talked about supplementing this through free agency. Which offseason and which pitchers is he targeting? So when he said he, when he was talking about supplementing through free agency, he was specifically referring to this offseason going the free agent route because they're not ready to trade away from their farm when they're not 100% sure where the team is. I mean, they'll still make trades and explore them, but he said that it's more likely to be through free agency this year. Uh, we, we, I mean, you and I have just essentially talked about this a lot, you know, the idea that the, there is this group of arms, but they're not enough of them that are high ceiling or ready. And in just looking at the free agent classes, there's not a lot of starting pitching on the market either over the next two years. So I really think that they should go out and get a Zach Wheeler or Garrett Cole if they can. They can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this offseason. Um, I bet you Matt Harvey will be available. I heard he was good once. Yeah. Like I said. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think um, it's unfortunate um, that Teams seem to hang on to the good starting pitching. I wonder why that is. Hmm. Yep. Maybe they can trade for Thor. I just think it would be super ironic for Syndergaard to end up with the Blue Jays in, a, in an important role with the team that was contending. That would be amazing. Uh, all right, you hit me with question two. <laughs> okay. This one comes from Andy at underscore rally cap. Who'd win in a fight? Mega Parrot or Monster Penguin? Uh, I only know half of what this story is talking about. So apparently, we have discovered a large life-size penguin uh, skeleton. You you looked up mega parrot quickly. Yeah, three foot parrot. So is three foot parrot like still alive, or is that also fossilized remains of some kind? Not a thing. I. You know what? If if mega parrot is is not flightless, my money is obviously on mega parrot. Um, due to right that there with you. That's it. Advantage. If it can fly, <laughs> penguins can't fly. Yeah, there we go. Um, it's got yeah. the high ground, oh, or I, lack of ground, something like that. 
Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6. Do you expect the Blue Jays to go beyond their 40-man roster with their call-ups in September? Who are you the most interested in seeing play in September with the big league team? Mm. Yeah, so I think that what we could see happen is that the Blue Jays dip down to guys that will be eligible for the Rule 5 after this season. I don't have that list in front of me. There's actually a really good one up at Bluebird Banter. I'm sorry, I don't have it with me at the moment. But I think that those are the type of guys that you'll see come up, which they've done in the past. It's like, well, if we're going to have to put this guy in the 40-man, we may as well put him on the 40-man now and see him for a couple months. You're not blowing an option because he's not getting sent down. Uh, Do you think anyone who got traded to the Blue Jays recently will make the Major League debut? I'd be surprised. I I don't think Anthony Kay is going to come up. Uh, I I just don't. I, I think so. Just guys that aren't like I could see Kirby Sneed getting getting the call just to get a look or someone like that or yeah, who knows? Just any of these guys that like Jackson McClellan, for example, right? I could see guys like that getting a shot just throw a couple things out of the bullpen. But no, I don't see Anthony K coming up. I just realized that Anthony K is like the the opposite, uh, the mirror universe version of Bob Walk <laughs> or Josh Outman. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he's this, he's like no, yeah, he's second K, cousin yeah. to Josh Outman. Yeah. Uh but but he's the opposite of Grant Balfour, perhaps. <laughs> Balfour, Balfour, I don't know. Yeah. You, I think, don't think you need to explain that one. I think it was pretty clear. I didn't know and if actually, my, my pronunciation was proper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know if either of the guys that they got for Phelps or Hudson are actually 40 men required next year, so I I shouldn't say whether they're going to come up or not, so I don't know, but Go look at the list of Bluebird Banter. It's very helpful. Uh, what's next? From Dave Church at Dave underscore Church. Is Justin Smoke on the team next season? Um, you know what? I, a month ago, I would have said yes, probably, with whatever he was saying. I'm going to go with no. I agree. I think that what's happening now has turned the answer 180 degrees. Yeah. They figure they can get something out of Rowdy. I mean, if Rowdy really just completely uh, craps the bed, so to speak, I guess that the answer might change again. But I think they're going to give him every chance to do something. Um, and again, J- Justin has not been fantastic. Uh, that's that's part of the the reason I say no. Next. Okay. Uh, did I ask? Oh, it's my turn. If this is from Ellie Ellie Hart. Uh, if MLB unjuices the balls next season, which actually we mentioned earlier, I hadn't looked at this question yet, I don't think, who would the winners and losers be on the Jays roster? Yes, we sort of talked about the unintended consequences of changing the baseball earlier, as you mentioned. But if we are to look at who would benefit the most, I think Trent Thornton is an obvious winner because a lot of his issues stem from the long ball. And if he's giving up even one or two fewer home runs over the course of a couple starts, that could have a drastic effect on his ability to stay in a major league rotation. As for losers, it's it's tougher. Uh, maybe someone like Kevin Biggio. I'm trying to think of guys that don't have tremendous power and rely on it. Can't, Danny Jansen, guys like that who, you know, their numbers are dependent on them hitting how, how a decent does, number of runs. How does Lourdes Gurriel Jr. do? I don't know. Oh, he actually, his home runs tend to go reasonably far. Like we, we know Teoscar Hernandez would be relatively unaffected. Yeah, Randall Gritchick, same thing. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., or even, you know, guys that just hit the ball that hard. I'd have to look into Lourdes Gurriel, but for sure, I think Biggio and Jansen. Fair. Um, 
Yeah, that's a weird one because I, I didn't even immediately think of pitchers, but you're probably right that a pitcher who is homer prone, being less homer prone all of a sudden, would be would be a boon from above. <laughs> yep. Heated end. I'm going to ask the last one. Which Willie Mays Hayes is the better player, Wesley Snipes or Omar Epps? It's Wesley Snipes. Come on, this isn't close. He's insane. (laughs) This is like, it's not even worth trying to just analyze this. It's Wesley and there's no argument. Uh, You and I agree about a lot of things, but uh, it's amazing how much major league stuff we agree with. (laughs) All right. That was uh, the shorter but more absurd question list than we normally have, uh, to which I would pose the question to you. Do you have a final thought? Well, I mean, I sort of been going through my final thoughts randomly throughout this, you know, by looking forward through the team. And but I will say that I, I'm I'm excited to see the next group of pitchers that Shapiro's been talking about that are going to probably come up this off, this season. Like I could see a TJ Zoic getting an appearance, or you know, any of these guys that are on the forty men that aren't on the bigs. I'd love to see some evidence of what is in the pipeline against major league pitching. Interesting. Yeah, like Patrick Murphy, for example, he's on the 40-man. Hector Perez. And also, Elvis Luciano needs to come back so they can send him to the minors next year. (laughs) There you go. Um, So my uh, final thought is that there's there's been a lot of emphasis placed on, um, you know, what we can really sell or teams can sell the, you know, bet on the kids and the kids are the future and everything else. The Blue Jays from their peak are down almost 18,000 fans per game in terms of ticket sales, regardless of their dynamic pricing and everything else. Um, you can't actually sell hope and put rear ends in the seats. So I would hope that management would see that as a real problem and make every effort to put a winning team on the field sooner rather than later, even if it's only for their own benefit of the number of people who are going to walk through those turnstiles. Yeah, that would be very nice. All right. Um, we are uh, we are having a, a, a slight change and an announcement that we are now on the Big Heads Podcast Network. Uh, I am not a technical man. Well, I am here with the, the actual recording of the audio. But <laughs> uh, all I know is that means that a bunch more people are going to have the opportunity to take in the uh, the loveliness that is artificial turf wars and be exposed to it. Uh, so you wanted to tell the folks that we are going to put something up on Twitter uh, just to reiterate what those changes mean to the folks, uh, where we're going to be available, how to get a hold of us, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add at this point? No, that's pretty much it. I mean, that announcement will come in the next day or so. Once everything is cleared away, you should still be able to get this episode the same way you have always with iTunes, and that's going to continue. But just if you were getting it through the BP site, that's going to change. But uh, like I said, like Greg said, that's all, all being up the next day or two. And just go give Big Heads Me- uh, Podcast Network a follow at Big Heads Media because they'll be tweeting out all our podcasts as well. So. Yeah, um, we've uh, we've signed some papers, so uh, we're hoping this is going to be a relationship uh, that uh, benefits both of us and uh, and uh, lets you folks uh, find us um, just as easily. Anyway, uh, and and uh, maybe we're hoping a little bigger audience. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Sure would. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this has been 
Artificial Turf Wars episode number 153. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And uh, we'll be back to talk at you next week. Mm-hmm.